may be seated. All right, First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, and last Sunday, when we met to look at our series, we looked at the important question of if we know that we know Christ, and having an assurance of our salvation. And we saw that having an assurance of our salvation is one of the most important things that we can settle in our life, especially if we want to have joy that's full, if we want to have fellowship with Christ, we must know that we know Christ. And so we noticed uh, two questions and two tests last Sunday that we need to answer. The questions are, do we know that we know Him? And the second is, are we in Him? Uh, we need to know that we are Christ, but not just that. We need to know that we're walking with Christ and that we're fellowshipping with Him. And as for knowing that we know Christ, it, we saw it's not just knowing things about Christ, it's not just knowing all the facts about Him, but we need to have a uh, personal relationship with Him. We need to have a companionship with Christ. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we saw that we need to uh, know that we are walking with Christ, that we are abiding in Him. And we do that when we know how Christ walked. And we know how Christ walked when we look at His Word. And then, no, and then finally, we noticed the, the test that John gave to help us see if we know that we know Him and if we are in Him. Uh, and the, the test, if we want to know if we know Christ, we saw that we need to ask, do we keep His commandments? Uh, Jesus said if we love Him, we would keep His commandments. And then if we want, uh, if we want to know that we are abiding in Christ, as we ought to, uh, we need to ask if we're walking as Christ walked, if we are being a reflection of Him in the world. And so that was last Sunday. Tonight we're going to continue by looking at uh, one of the things that we should be doing if we are abiding in Christ. And John, he gives us a real-world example of something we do if we, if we love Christ and if we're abiding in Him. And uh, as we'll see tonight, this command is for those who are saved and for those who are walking in the light. Those who are not saved, they cannot keep this command until they've been saved. And this command that we have from Christ, as we'll see, is to love the brethren. And it's an important command that we've been given. Jesus made it clear that while he was with the disciples on the earth, he taught them, if you want to be known as my disciples... You need to love one another. Uh, that's how they would be identified in this world as followers of Christ, by having a love one for another. That's how they would be distinct. And John, he took that message to heart, and now he's reiterating the importance of loving the brethren as, as Christians. Uh, and again, there were a lot of things attacking the church at this time, as we've noticed in our series. We've seen how the Gnostics were creeping into the church and they were causing division with false doctrine. We saw how the church during this time faced persecution from the government and they were often on the run, they were often imprisoned, they were beaten, 
Many were killed for their faith in Christ. And so they had many different things attacking them. And if there was nothing the devil would love more, it would be that the church would be divided. It would be that the church were at odds with one another. They already had enemies from the outside. They had enemies that had snuck into the inside. And now the devil wants them to tear each other apart. And that's what the devil would love for any church, is for a church to not love each other, but to hate each other and to fight and to be at odds and to be divided. But Christ desired the opposite. He desires that we love one another, that we be unified uh, through him. Uh, and so it's important that we love the brethren. The brethren. And that's why John, uh, he, he emphasizes this command. And this is probably the greatest uh, opportunity that we have to be a reflection of Christ in the world is to love the brethren. Uh, you know, a church, a church that doesn't love one another is not being a church. There are a lot of groups that gather throughout the week for different purposes, but they don't have a love for each other. Uh, th that doesn't make that a church. Just because a group of people gather together doesn't make it a church. The church uh, has been called out of the world to come together for the purposes of worshiping God, preaching the gospel, and then edifying each other, and loving and serving one another. And so if we want to be the church, we need to love the brethren, as we'll see tonight. So that's our challenge tonight, is to love one another. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. We'll read that and pray against the message. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us, and this day that we've had to uh, come together and to worship you. God, I thank you for your love for us, for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. And Lord, I thank you that you have called us uh, to be a family, to serve you, but also to serve one another. And so, God, I ask that you'd help us tonight as we consider the idea of loving one another. Lord, help us to put aside distractions. Lord, help us to put aside our own attitudes. And God, I ask that you'd help us to take up your attitude, and that was to love the brethren. Lord, I ask that you'd help us tonight to work on this. And uh, God, I ask that you'd help me to be emptied of self and filled with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do this evening, and that's to speak to our hearts. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to notice is a new and old commandment. Uh, and when you read the, these verses 7 and 8, sometimes if you just read it, it might be confusing. John is saying there's a new commandment, but it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment, but it's also not. It's, it's one commandment. Uh, and so it can be confusing. But when you take time to look at it, you see what John means here. Verse 7, he says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, 
a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. And the commandment is very simply to love the brethren, to love each other. And he shows us the sense in which it's both an old commandment and it's a new commandment. And so first I want to see how is it an old commandment. Uh, it's an old commandment in that they already knew this. They already knew that they were to love each other. Uh, John said that they, had it from, they heard it from the beginning. Uh, and it goes back to the beginning of their conversion, to the beginning of the time they got saved. Uh, in other words, he's telling them, when you got saved, you knew that you got put into a new family, and as a part of that family, you were to, to love one another, uh, that you were to be unified, and they knew that through their salvation. They saw the love that Christ had for them, and they knew that they needed to love each other now, and so it goes back to their conversion. It goes back, older than that, though, it goes back, uh, this commandment goes back to when Jesus was on the earth talking with the disciples. In John chapter 13... Verses 34 through 35, Jesus said this, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So this commandment goes back to Jesus. In other words, this is not some commandment that John is pulling out of the hat uh, as a band-aid to solve the issues they were having with the Gnostics. It wasn't just some practical idea that he thought of, uh, oh, this is a good solution to the Gnostics or to the persecution we're facing. No, this was something settled. This was a foundational doctrine that they needed to know, and that was to love one another. And Jesus, he emphasized it himself while he was on the earth. But the command is even older than that. It goes back to the Old Testament, uh, back to when God gave the law to Moses. In Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 through 18, it says this, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And so this command, they knew it when they got saved. Uh, Jesus preached it while he was on the earth. It, they knew it in the Old Testament. It's an, it's an old command. But it's a command that had got buried and lost uh, because of all of the extra commands that the Pharisees would add on to the law. All of the ritualistic uh, practices that they, they would do in order to be righteous in God's eyes. This command to simply love one another got buried under all of these other things. And so it's an old commandment. It's not a new idea, but it's something that they needed to be reminded of. It's also a new commandment. Uh, it's, and it's not new in the sense that, again, it's not brand new. John didn't just come up with this. Uh, but it's, it's new in the sense that it, it's uh, more excellent in the dispensation of grace than in the dispensation of the law. In the Old Testament, they had the law. They had the same law. But without the Holy Spirit of Christ indwelling them, without the example of Jesus Christ and His love for them, uh, they didn't have that that we do. We, we can look back and we see what Christ did for us on the cross. In the Old Testament, they hadn't seen that yet. They didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them like we do in the New Testament. Uh, but we have that now. And they had that as the early church. In other words, they were without excuse. Uh, they were born again. They had Christ's Spirit living within them. They had the example of Christ. They had the example of the apostles. There was no excuse for them not to love the brethren. 
uh, and they had, uh, they had experienced the love of God in a way that uh, those in the Old Testament saints ha had not. Uh, and so they, they had the law of God fulfilled in Christ and in themselves now, through Christ. And so this law to love the brethren, it's new in that it's not just a command that you find in the Old Testament. It's something they've experienced for themselves. It's something that they, they have been given the ability to do themselves through Christ and through His righteousness. And so it's a new commandment. It's an old commandment. Uh, and it, it, it's a very important uh, doctrine for the church to uphold, and that is to, to love the brethren. And we need to be reminded of it. We need to be reminded that we are without excuse. Uh, we must love the brethren. And so I want to see the, the next two points. We can either be in one of two camps. And we are either loving the brethren or we hate the brethren. There's no other option. We love the brethren or we hate the brethren. So first I want to see he that loveth the brethren. Verse 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. John makes some comments about those who love the brethren, and this is where we ought to be. This is where we should desire to be in the group that, that loves the brethren. Uh, and he says that those who love the brethren, they are abiding in the light. And the light here has the idea of the righteousness and the presence of God. They are in fellowship with God. They are in fellowship with the Father. And when you are in the light, you can see things clearly. Uh, if we turned off all of the lights in the church, we, we would have a difficult time getting around the building. We might trip a few times or fall. But when you're in the light, you can see things clearly. Uh, and he, he says there that there's, there's none occasion of stumbling in him. That phrase, occasion of stumbling, it has uh, the idea of a trigger on a, a, on a trap. Uh, if you've ever seen a mouse trap or, a, or have used a mouse trap or a rat, a rat trap, um, you know you, you have to watch out for that trigger when you're setting it. And imagine walking through a, a hallway filled with rat traps with the lights off. Uh, how many of you would attempt that? You couldn't see them very well. Uh, you might trigger that trap because you cannot see it. You cannot see the, the opportunity to stumble because you're walking in the darkness and not in the light. And those who are in the light, they love the brethren. They, have none of these, they don't have these occasions of stumbling. Again, John's not suggesting that those who are saved and those who are abiding in Christ, he's not suggesting that they're perfect, that they're without sin. They, they still struggle with anger. They still struggle with emotions. Uh, but they are not controlled by them. When, when they, they sin, when they react in anger, they confess that, they, they, and they move on, and they repent. Uh, but the idea here is that they are not defined by their tendency uh, to be triggered, as the common phrase is today. We hear that. They're not, they're not defined by their tendency to be easily provoked uh, because they walk in the light. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you would. First Corinthians chapter 13. This is uh, the love chapter talks about what those who have charity in their hearts, some, some of their characteristics. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, 
doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We're going to touch more on this idea of being easily provoked when we look at those who hate, uh, who do not love the brethren. But for those of us who are saved and we are abiding in Christ, which should be our desire, we, we are not easily provoked because we are in the love of Christ and we practice the love of Christ. And that's our desire, to, be, uh, to, to follow the example of Christ in loving the brethren. Jesus Christ, he's our ultimate example. He came to the earth, he, he left heaven, he left a perfect place uh, where there was no sin. He came to this earth to live um, among those that he came to save. And those very people rejected him, uh, put him on the cross, uh, hated him, falsely accused him. And yet Jesus was never easily provoked. Uh, he, he was never filled with unrighteous anger. Uh, he, he loved his enemies. And if Jesus can love his enemies, we can love our enemies as well. And if we can love our enemies, we have no excuse not to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have no excuse not to love our family, uh, our, our family in Christ. And so uh, as we need, to, we need to love the brethren in Christ uh, is our example. And we have been given the ability to do that. Uh, and so we see those who love the brethren, they walk in the light. Finally, we look at those who, who hate the brethren. Uh, verses 9 through 11, if you could look there. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Uh, there are only two options for those who do not love the brethren. Either we don't love the brethren because we're not in fellowship with God, we have sin in our hearts, we're not walking uh, with Christ, we have rebelled like the prodigal son, or we, we are not saved. We say we're saved, but we're not, and we don't love the brethren. Uh, either way, John says that those who, who hate the, the, brother, the brethren are in darkness, and there is occasion of stumbling. In them, there are they. They do. They do stumble. Uh, the word occasion it has the uh, the idea of making an opportunity available. If I don't know how to swim, the more time that I spend around water, the higher my chances of drowning are. Uh, if I if I'm always driving over the speed limit and recklessly, my chances of getting in a wreck they start to go up. If I run across the street all the time without looking, which you shouldn't do. You should always look both ways before you cross the street. Uh, but if you run across the street constantly without looking, your chances of getting uh, injured go up. You're making those opportunities available, and they're not good opportunities. And John, is he's saying when we walk in the darkness, uh, we are making those opportunities more and more available to stumble, to do something that we regret because we're not walking in the light, because we cannot see things clearly. Uh, and, and so we, we need to be careful that we don't walk in the light. Again, it has the idea of setting off the trigger of a trap. And there are two reasons John mentions that a person who hates their brother gives themselves more opportunities to set off a trap. The first is that they walk in the dark. Uh, we, we all know it's more likely to step on something in the dark. How many of you ever slept on a Lego in the dark? 
or a toy or something painful, something you didn't want to step on. When I was in South Korea, I, uh, somehow my glasses fell on the floor in the night. I had to get up and I stepped on them and I had to go get them uh, fixed because I couldn't see. Uh, and so when you can't see, you're more likely to step on something uh, that is going to cause pain. Those who hate the, the brethren, they walk in darkness uh, because they, they are not obeying Christ. And those who hate the, their brethren, they, they don't see things the way that Christ wants them to see it. Um, how many times has our anger towards somebody clouded our judgment and we did something that we regret? We're angry at somebody, we're bitter at them, and we, we react in anger and we regret it. We weren't saying things clearly. We were clouded by our emotions, by our passions, by our heart, and we were, we were walking in darkness. And we need to confess that. And so we, they, they, are walking, they are walking in the dark. The other reason is that they are blind. He says they are, they are blind in verse 11. Uh, at the end, he says, Because that darkness, that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So not only are they walking in darkness, but they're, they're blindfolded. They, they're doubly blind. They can't see. Um, and so those, those who do not have Christ in their heart, uh, those who have not been saved, they cannot love as Christ loved because they have not received that love for themselves. It's available to all who will put their faith in Christ. Uh, we should, uh, every, God wants all people to be saved. Uh, so that they, they can love as He loved. But if you've never been saved, you cannot love the brethren as Christ uh, would desire you to do. But we need to be saved in order to love as Christ loved. And for the Christian who is not walking in the light, for the Christian who is living in sin and in rebellion and walking in darkness, they, are, they, they blind themselves by their sin, and they need to confess that. I think of the prodigal son. He's a perfect example of this. Look at Luke chapter 15, if you would. Luke chapter 15. Uh, verse, verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11, it says, this is uh, Jesus talking. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he, would have, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That young man, he grew discontent with his family. He didn't love his brother or his father as much as he loved money, as, as much as he loved entertainment, as much as he loved his heart's desires. He loved those things more. And so we see how he goes off into the world, 
and he wastes everything he has with riotous living. In other words, he spends his life doing what his heart desires most. And he ends up in the pig pen. It, all those decisions where he's, he's not following Christ, it leads him uh, spiraling downward to the pig pen. And then we see how there, there's a point where he, he comes to himself. And he, he sees himself in the pig pen and he realizes where he's brought himself because of his decisions. It's as if he's been walking blindly, following his passions, uh, and then he comes to himself, he repents, and he goes back to the Father. And, of course, the Father welcomes him back into the family. There's a great celebration. That's what needs to happen for the believer who has wandered away from, uh, from Christ. They're saved, but they're not walking in the light, they're walking in the darkness, they're making all of these decisions, ruining their life because they don't see things the way Christ wants them to see because they're not obeying Him, they're not loving the brethren. There is forgiveness available if you would, if you would repent and return back to your Father and ask for His forgiveness. And He's ready to welcome you back and to throw a celebration uh, for your return. And so for the Christian who's living their life, controlled by their passions. Their passions have a control over them. They don't have a control over their passions. Uh, they, and it leads them to, to sin. Uh, there, is, there is a cure, and it's forgiveness through Christ. Uh, and so tonight, we are, we are either loving the brethren or we're not loving the brethren. And if you're not loving the brethren, it's for one of two reasons. Either you're not saved and you can't love the brethren, or you're not walking with Christ, you're in sin, uh, you need to confess that and, and uh, ask for forgiveness, and there's forgiveness available. For those of us tonight who are, uh, we, we try to love the brethren. We need to continue doing that. We need to continue loving our brethren. That's how we're known as believers in this world. That's what sets us apart, is that we love one another, and that should be our desire, uh, to love each other, to serve each other, to not put ourselves first to not put our wants first, but to put the needs uh, and in the uh, to put other to put others first in our life. And so tonight we ha we have no excuse not to love our family. Christ is our ultimate example. He loved us when we were his enemies, and no one in here is your enemy tonight. We are family, and we should love one another tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and pray.